Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that nobody or no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's a diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the one body is, I should say, for as the body is one and has many Members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm the whole body were an eye, well then where would the hearing be? If the whole body were the hearing, well then where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. Listen to this verse again, please, verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. And if they were all one member, well, then where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. Now, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts, well, they have no need. But God has composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should be of the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, <coughs> excuse me, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, well, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, then members individually. As God has appointed these in the church, well, first apostles, well, then second prophets, Third, teachers, after that, miracles, then the gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you so much for the sheer magnificent blessing of being able to spend time with you now in your word. Cause your word to burst open and come alive for us, Lord. May we hear you. May we be drawn now. May we be captivated. 
May you teach, inform, instruct, challenge, equip us for every good work. Bring salvation. Bring hope. Bring such beautiful, genius, simple clarity to each of us today that we would understand deeper and more meaningfully than we've ever before. So, Lord, come upon me. Do through me what I cannot humanly do. Speak to every one of us individually where we need to hear you and corporately as a family, as a body today. Please, Lord, have your way now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I would say tonight as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. Now, here lies the problem with spiritual gifts, and we started on it last week. That when God adopts his children, we come in humble, amazed and overwhelmed with the goodness and the mercy of God. And somewhere down the line, we go back to that competitive, striving, me-first mindset that does not belong in the household. And no area gets abused more than that which revolves around that person, the Holy Spirit. And the reason is simple. We don't read our Bibles. And we don't read them with open hearts to derive from it so we can try what we think we can from it to figure out how we can make the Holy Spirit work for us so we could be the most awesome person in the room. But if we're the most awesome person in the room, then we're in a heap of trouble because Jesus is supposed to be here and you don't stand a chance, nor I, you don't stand a chance being more awesome than him. Listen to these verses for a moment about this Holy Spirit. They're from the Gospel of John, and I'll give you verse and text so you know to check up on me. In John 14, 25, Jesus says, These things I've spoken while present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, listen, in my name, he'll teach you and bring to your remembrance the things I've said to you. He'll speak. And this is how. He'll teach you and bring to your remembrance the things Jesus has spoken to us. He will come in the name of Jesus. Verse chapter 15, verse 26, when the helper comes whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Seems to be somebody who spends a lot of time speaking for the purpose of doing it in Jesus' name. Chapter 16, verse 7 of the Gospel of John, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you in all truth. He will not, listen, listen, he will not speak on his own. You may have in italics authority, but notice it's in italics, which means it's not in the original text. That's a translator's attempt at trying to help you better understand what's being said. What he hears, he'll speak, which tells us the Holy Spirit can hear. And he will tell you the things to come. And then my favorite part that everything answers on, chapter, verse 14, 16, 14, when it says, He will glorify me. Let me kind of explain. And this is what revolutionized my walk with the Lord in regards to this awesome Holy Spirit fellow. It started with the concept of who in the world he is and why him. What purpose does he serve? I know that he can be grieved because the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit, which is important because you cannot grieve somebody who doesn't care. You can irritate me. 
You can bother me. You can anger me. You can frustrate me. But you can't grieve me unless I love you. We read that the Holy Spirit has a will. Even when the Holy Spirit spoke in Acts chapter 13 to set apart Paul and Barnabas for his specific mission, the Holy Spirit's specific mission. So he has a specific mission. He has a will. He has an intent. He has emotions. He can be grieved. But the real question is, what in the world is his purpose? Because if we don't understand what his purpose is, well, then we'll use him for contrary purposes. See, that's the problem. See, understand what the Holy Spirit intends to do. And it's quite simple. He is the catalyst of intimacy or the impetus of intimacy between man and God. It's that simple. His whole purpose is to bring you and others closer to God. That's it. That is it. That's why he speaks what Jesus has told you. That's why he reminds you. That's why he testifies of Jesus. That's why he doesn't try to get in the way but glorify Jesus, because he is our avenue to the Father. That is why he, conv- he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So let me play this out for a second, and I'm going to need a couple examples. Perfect. Come on, John Barry. You come up. Any other people in here? This will be so much more awkward. Okay? Come with me. This is Deborah, everyone. And let's put Deborah right here. <gasps> See, notice he's already following. Come here. Okay, your job is to stand right here like this. Like you want to hug her. So you can do French hug style. Okay? Now, case in point, exhibit A, Deborah. Deborah, the girl who's to be hugged by Hugo. Ironically, the word embrace means kiss in French. Embrace, so we have to be careful. Now, on the other side of it, here is, let's call her the huggy. Are you with me on this? Huggy. What does that make him? Hugger. As a matter of fact, isn't that what we call him? Huger, hugger. Anyways, okay. Here he is. Now, imagine, if you will, in the beginning of this, Deborah's living her life. Not aware of the hugger. She's completely unaware of the hugger. <coughs> How can we help get the huggy to the hugger? How do we get her there? There's different ways we can do that. One of those ways is to tell her, right? Hey, there's a guy and he really wants to hug you. Imagine how that would sound to her. She's like, maybe she's like, what? Yeah, she's more like, what? There are other ways. We can push her from behind. Hey, 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 hey. We can pull her from the front. You need to come this way. We have different ways to motivate her. We could light a fire where she's standing, and that will help move her from her spot. Are you with me on that? But what if there were things in the way here, and chances are there would be. Part of our job, if our whole mission, if Jenny's whole mission in life was to get Huggy and Hugger together, she has a lot of work to do. Right? Well, you've got a lot of work to do. She would be clearing the way in between, kind of like if you've ever seen curling, whoever invented that sport, with a broom and a giant thing, right? I'm not even sure what the hell. You know, someone goes, and someone's all like sweeping. I don't know, is that housekeeping? Is that a, anyways, is that shuffleboard? Anyways, sorry, if you're like into curling, I don't mean to offend you. It just happens naturally. She would have to clear the clutter in between, 
She would be talking in route. He's really a great guy. You're going to love this. It's really worth it. Do you see what I'm saying? Jenny may be pulling. There might be times where Jenny may be pushing. But if Jenny were there, that's a lot of things to do. Are you aware of? Does that make sense? But maybe if Deborah sees Hugo, Hugo, and you hear that, and all that love rock from the 70s plays in her heart. All those songs from Alec Baroni start to make her heart stirred. And there is the hugger. Sooner or later she sees him and she may be afraid, but she's like, don't worry, he's safe. This is perfect. This is okay. And sooner or later she gets to that place where this happens. Yes, right? Okay, have a seat. Have a seat. Listen, this is Jesus. This is you. This is sin, pride, vanity, the world. Oh, all that's in here, isn't it? Here we are standing here and we're like, life stinks, I hate life, things are horrible. Or, or check me out, I'm awesome, but still life still stinks and things are horrible. And what happens is everything that the Holy Spirit does, everything that the Holy Spirit does is to get A to B. Does that make sense? Now, A is you, A is you, A is you, A is the person out there, A is the guy writing someone a ticket right now because they parked in the wrong place, A is the guy that actually served your burger a little cold and gelatinous, but he served it nonetheless, A is, a is the guy at Domino's who still can't speak the language well enough to figure out what you want on your pizza, A is the guy that's in the stalls right now piercing one more time to make it 315 on his face, A is the gal that's actually selling drugs, Right now, just south of Mornington Crescent, A is the gal that's, that's right now up in a model's room called Model, but who is she in the world modeling for so stranger can go from stranger to stranger to stranger so she can get her money? But that's an A. And A is also you. And A is also you. And A is also you. Are you with me on this? Every human being is an A. And only Jesus is the B. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gets A to B. Are you with me on this? If you knew that is the entire ministry, if you knew, if I knew, if I knew that that was the entire ministry of the Holy Spirit, the entire ministry, then it can't be about me anymore, can it? Imagine half of what is called the work of the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to diss it, if it isn't getting A to B, is at best a misuse of a person for a different mission than his own mission. Does that make sense? That's the problem. If I'm like, if I could speak in tongues more than you, Marcia, so I could be cooler, who is that getting closer to Jesus? I may actually be doing the opposite. I may be standing in between A and B right now going, yo, 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 check me out. And A has to go around C, that's me, to get to B now. Does that make sense? Is that difficult algebra? You right with that? There's only three letters, A, B, C. What if that were everything? How about that simple? So listen. So he gives tools. Why does he give tools? To help A get to B. So let's go back to that for a second. Ready? One more time. Come on. Grazie. Okay. Now... Before Deborah knows Jesus, the Holy Spirit has to convict her. And he convicts her of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what it says in the Gospel of John, chapter 16. 
Listen, some of the drawing happens from inside. But not all of it. Just some of it. Do you hear me? Sin means you need a Savior. That's what happens. Sin, righteousness, this is how you can be saved. Judgment, this is what happens if you say no. That's a heavy gospel message, but it's the one the Holy Spirit speaks. And we don't want to say that, but it's what the Holy Spirit wants to speak, and we're supposed to be empowered. How is she going to hear that message? I'll tell you how. God brings up a person, and that person says, you're a sinner. And she's like, what? What are you talking about, sinner? What? What's wrong with you? Right? But he's Greek, so he's not intimidated by this. So he goes, ah. And then he just goes into his side of things, and it's like this big, loud thing all of a sudden, right? He's like, no, no, no. You need a Jesus. You need a Jesus. Amen. I mean. <laughs> and she's like, I don't need that Jesus. But inside her heart, when he speaks, the Holy Spirit starts poking, and he says, He's right, you know. He's right, you know. And that's the part that makes her crazy. So Mario's sharing with someone, and they go, Bah! He's like, how are you doing? Cool. You know, sneeze. God bless you. But let me tell you about Jesus. Bah! All of a sudden, it's like the exorcist happened in the, on the lift on the way up. Because inside, the Holy Spirit's going, He's right, you know. He's right, you know. Do you hear me on that? Now, remember how it says there are different gifts, and they also manifest in different ways? There will be some that will do this. Deborah, Deborah, you need Deborah, right? There'll be those kind of evangelists. There'll be some that'll be like, Deborah, Deborah, you need, and there'll be these kind of evangelists, right? There'll be other ones that'll be like, Deborah, Deborah, let's do this. And there'll be those kind of evangelists. Do you see what I'm saying? Which one do you want to be? But you realize everything the Holy Spirit does is to get Deborah to Hugo in that sense. Are you with me on this? Well, now, understand part of that will be teaching, part of that will be evangelism, right? Part of it will be prophecy, because here's the problem. If you've ever been married, and prayerfully, if you are, you still are, but if you haven't, but either way, you know that intimacy isn't something you're like, hey, we just hit a switch, we're intimate from this point on, and that's it. We're just instantly and forever intimate. Intimacy is something you continue to invest in. And all the same as Christians. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. God's in Listen, the problem with the Corinthian church is not just that they were missing spiritual gifts. Oh, they had the spiritual gifts. They were missing the reason for them. And if you miss that, you know what you become? You become an obstacle instead of a tool. How many of you in here are sure that you've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ? How many in here? Okay, well, that's really exciting. Okay, if that's the case, then you got married. But each day, each moment is an investment in an intimacy. And the Lord has intended to use the rest of us to encourage that for you too. This isn't like a sale. You bought Jesus, let's move on to the next uh, you know, customer. These gifts that God gives here or for the purpose of us being drawn closer and then us being used to draw others closer. Does that make sense? So look at these gifts with me for a moment, would you please? Because that's the whole point here. 
is when we start looking at these spiritual gifts. He's writing to a church where everyone's competing and getting in the way, and it's so sad. He says this. Verse 7, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given, and we have our first gift in verse 8. Do you see it there? And it is a word of wisdom. And then we read, To another, a word of knowledge. Now understand, the key point of this is, everybody's different, but we're all part of the same body. That's the point of the whole, the theme of this particular chapter. As we're arguing over which gift is cooler, that would be like your pancreas arguing with your lungs over which part is cooler. My attitude would be, you're both cool. Please both do what you're supposed to. I don't want one of you to be convinced the other one's cooler and stop working. But that's the way it works in the body of Christ. So let me explain these gifts a little bit and see how they're borne out a little. With the word of wisdom, please understand, the word of wisdom is simple. Wisdom is taking knowledge and properly applying it. It's different than knowledge. Knowledge is getting information you couldn't possibly have gotten any other way. And we'll see both in Scripture. For knowledge, for instance, Paul would say, as he was about to head to Rome, he would say, all I know is that chains and suffering or beatings await me. How could he possibly know that? That was a gift given to him. When Peter is up praying, because he's such a godly man, it's about lunchtime, it's noon, and he goes up on, a, on the second floor to lay down and pray, and he falls into a deep trance. And the Lord tells him, someone's coming to the door, go with them. That's knowledge he couldn't possibly have had. And by the way, none of these things are brand new. In 1 Kings chapter 6, one of my favorite stories, see, Syria is about to attack Israel, but there's a couple prophets in Israel, and one of those guys seems to know everything and the king of Syria is going mental because the king goes okay we're going to go to this area and so let's think of it this way we're going to go hide in Belsize Park so they're all there in Belsize Park and all of a sudden someone stands up it's Daniel or Antony and he says oh by the way let's not go to Belsize Park they're waiting for us there so we're like okay well I guess we'll take another line and the king goes what? And imagine he's waiting and we never show up. He's like, are you kidding me? All right, well, fine. Tomorrow we'll wait at Kentish Town. So he goes over to Kentish Town. Oh, we're waiting at Kentish Town. And then Mary stands up and says, ah, everybody, don't go to Kentish Town. And I'm like, okay, so we won't go to Kentish Town today. How long before the king starts going potty and going, ah, oh, what's going on? He goes, which one of you guys is the rat? Who's the mole? And finally someone says, excuse me, king, please don't kill me. But there's a guy there and it's like he, he tells the king, what you say in your bedroom. Any of you feel like that's a really cool thing? You're like, oh, yippee. Here's the funniest part. So the king goes, well, then let's kill him. Let's put a plot together right now. Did you put those two parts together? Is that ridiculous? It's like, hey, look at everything you say, he can hear you. Oh, yeah, well, then we better kill him, too. Let's sneak up on him. You can see the prophet going, <laughs> you should hear what he's saying right now. He's thinking he's plotting to kill. And that, by the way, is a word of knowledge. Does that make sense? Now understand, why would God give a word of knowledge? Hey, 
Here's going to be, here's your simple answer, ready? To get A to B. How's that? Why would God give a word of knowledge? Hello? Someone? I even gave you the answer. How hard is this test? Why would God give you a word of knowledge? To get A to B. Now think about that. And sometimes you risk it when we always should. It's a guy once. A guy named Andy was going to our fellowship in the States, playing minor league baseball, about to head in for his season. As it is the case, we have one worship night before, like a Jesus night that we have. And that night, the Lord gives me a word, and he says, I can only give you, you know, how I experienced in my own life. Well, here's my, this is one of those moments. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to risk it. And I'm like, Andy, I want you to know the Lord's going to tell you what you have planned tomorrow is going to be totally overtaken. And everything you think is in order isn't going to be in order. And the Lord could give more information, but in this case, he just wants to tell you, you need to trust him. He's got a better plan. There, I've said it. My hands are clean. He gives me a call a couple days later. He says, hey, you won't believe this, but... There I was expecting a room with a couple guys, but there were a couple of party animals, but they were nice guys, just the same. They, both of them, by the way, didn't make the team at the end of it all, and there I was stuck without anyone, and the only other Christian on the team I got roomed with. But because I didn't have anyone to room with in the beginning, the coach got to see my peace because I trusted the Lord. You realize what happened is Andy became the first A, the coach became the second A. Does that make sense? Andy was used, A for Andy, was used then to help the coach get to Jesus too. Do you see how that works? Case in point, here's another situation. And this isn't, please understand, this isn't check me out, I'm awesome. They're just situations I know in my own life. Prayerfully, as we all walk with the Lord, we'll have them. Speaking at a campus crusade meeting in San Luis Obispo, California, and I can't even tell you what in the world I was speaking, but in the end of it all, I'm about to pray, and all of a sudden the Lord presses something in my heart. I said, there's a girl here right now, you're 19 years old, and you're going to commit, you want to commit suicide tonight, and the Lord's here to tell you, you need to give your life to him instead. So I'm going to do something crazy in this room, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. No hand goes up. Awkward, awkward. Lord, what do you want me to do? I said, you're an archaeology major. No hands. Everyone's now looking around, feeling awkward. I said, he could give me your name. The hand goes up. She starts crying. She gives her life to Christ. And people come up and say, how did you know? The answer is, I couldn't afford not to risk that. Does that make sense? But there was lots of people watching. So what? Could you afford to risk it at a moment like that? Maybe some heart, someone gets pressed upon your heart and you're like, I should call that person tonight. But maybe they'll think I'm crazy. You know, chances are they already do. So what do you have to lose? Go for it. At least you're crazy and you care. And I don't know, maybe this is the case, but I just want you to know the Lord's put this on my heart. Would you please pray about it? And we're told to test all those things anyways. But it's to get A to B. Does that make sense? In that case, that was a fairly simple slam dunk. That girl gave her life to Jesus that night. She wasn't planning on it. She listened to the, or didn't listen to the whole message, but that part, God got her attention. Wisdom, though, is what to do with that information. Now, for instance, if you remember all the way back in the book of Genesis with Joseph, 
there was a king who had these crazy dreams, Pharaoh had these crazy dreams, if you remember. And then Joseph was called up to interpret them. Now, let's be honest, that's a word of knowledge. He got information. Now, we could even say it's prophecy, the Lord, but let's go with this at least. He clearly has a word of information. It's going to be seven years of famine, seven years of plenty, and then seven years of famine. That's the information. Does that make sense? And then he says, so might I suggest to you, in the years of plenty, you store 20% off so that when the famine hits, you have food to feed people. That's wisdom. Do you hear the difference? What to do with that information? That's wisdom. Interesting, because when God actually tries to introduce that point, by the way, it's in Exodus 28, when he talks about people, Bezalel and Ahaliab, two guys that he's gifted with the spirit of wisdom to help build the tabernacle and the parts of it. Remember how the land stand was like impossible to build by its own properties? So he had to take this information and do something pretty amazing with it. Look at wisdom does stuff. Wisdom makes choices. Knowledge says stuff. Do you hear the difference? And why would God, here's a real tough question, why would God give you a word of wisdom? Do you get it? To get A to B. Let's face it, when God uses you in that way, doesn't it get you as A to B as well? You're like, oh yes, Lord. To another faith. That's our third, verse 9. It tells us, by the way, in Romans 12, 3, that God has given to every person a measure of faith. We all have it. In Romans 10, 17, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and not the word of God. You can get more any time. Right now, you're getting more, like it or not. And yet in that, there are some that God graduates to a higher level of that, a greater level of trust, which drives other people who are usually administrators crazy. You can guess which one of those two I lean towards. I think we should do this. The Lord's going to provide. I really hear the Lord in this. I think we should step out. Are you crazy? Maybe, but let's be faithful. And faith, simple, it just simply means trust. Hey, do you know when A gets used, A gets brought to be the most at your exercise of faith? Do you know when? When they would have no reason to trust, but you do anyways. Lord, it didn't happen the way I thought, but I trust you. I prayed for healing, but I'm not healed, but I trust you. Things are getting crazier, but I trust you. That's when the world's looking to see what trust really looks like. Do you see what I'm saying? When someone stands up with the nose, with the glasses on the brow of their nose, and they speak with a really smart, like they're fresh out of Oxford, and they burped Cambridge milk as they were born, and all of a sudden they step out and tell you about all these cute little diagrams which they invented about something they say it's scientific, but you're like, Scripture says this. And they call you stupid. And you're like, but we'll both agree one day. You weren't there. And they'll say, well, you weren't there either. I'm like, yes, but I know the one who was. And we're not going to argue, but I'm not going to change my mind. And they're looking. People are starving for people. And people trust crazy things. And Christians don't trust the Lord. We're the stupidest people on the planet, if that's who we are. The God who saved us, that created everything, who loves us perfectly, and is the Almighty, and we don't trust them. But people trust people who fail them and everything else. They trust the government. Any of you think that's a great idea? In any country, the government to another gifts of healing. Of course, we see that in Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 14, 19, 28. 
And whether that is the man who is lame at the gate, beautiful. Whether that is <coughs> those who gathered around to be thrown in Peter's shadow. Whether that was the man in Lystra that was crippled from his mother's womb. Whether God worked, and I love this term when it says in Acts 19, 11, 12, that God worked unusual miracles versus like ordinary miracles. Like, wow, these miracles are unusual. But you know, can I be honest? I understand this a little bit. Because my whole life's a miracle. And every breath's a miracle. But I mean, I'm not just trying to be romantic or poetic. I mean, I watch God transform, save, deliver. Every day it seems like I watch that. So, I mean, those are such ordinary miracles now. Imagine what an unusual miracle would be. Some guy, it's like, you know, some guy kind of freaks out and people think he's possessed. Everyone flees and I'm like, "Mm, it's on time. Let's go. In the name of Jesus, I'm like so not backing down kind of guy. And part of it is because I just know who my God is that lives in me. So not concerned about it. It's like, look at gifts of healing. And then says to another, working of miracles. Verse 10. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? That was a miracle. And not exactly a happy miracle for Ananias and Sapphira. But for the rest of us, think about how it got A to B. Please hear me on that. Because what happened is we were playing around with the idea of, you know, kind of, con- well, kind of condescending to the, to the world. We were kind of, you know... We were kind of improvising to where we could pollute ourselves a little bit more with the world again, and we're compromising. And God went, bam! And we all went, oh, never mind. That brought A to B. Do you see what I'm saying? So let me ask you a tough question. Why would God give you the gift of faith? Why would God give you the gifts of healing? Yeah, to get A to B, whether you're the A or others. Notice it doesn't say the gift of healing. Notice it says gifts of healing. Fun plural on that. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Philip, at a... Listen, listen, listen. Philip, in the middle of a revival in Samaria, amazing things are happening, and God says, get out of there, I've got another place for you. I understand. Like, crazy great things are happening. All these people are getting saved. It's a hallelujah hoedown. And he's like, you know what, that was for you. And, and, And in that... God's like, yeah, 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 but I don't want this to be about you, so let's go. We're going to send you. And off he goes to a guy, an Ethiopian, in the middle of the wilderness, who is a treasure, works for the treasure. He's the treasurer of Queen Candace of Ethiopia, which means the guy does what? He handles money. That's what he does. So what's the closest thing we have to that today? A Brinks truck. Do you know what those are? Those are the kind of things where the guys come and it says on them, they walk into a store, right, with everything like riot gear, and they walk out with a thing, and on the side it says, warning, this explodes if you try to steal it, and we have magic water and mystic gas and everything else if you try to steal it, right? And he sticks this thing into some form of secure thing that's like, you know, not Fort Knox, stuck in the back of the square, like lorry, right? You know, and then they move to the next place. You know those things that I'm talking about? So imagine there you are. You've got your full right gear, your bullet and stab proof vest on, tasers on both sides, everything's set to kill, and you're there driving. The whole thing in the back may be filled with money, maybe not. It doesn't matter. And some guy starts running beside him and going, hey, pull over. Let's talk. Yeah, which one of you thinks, yeah, that's a great idea. Sounds awesome. Sure, no mischief is involved in this. Is it weird? Absolutely weird. Here's, I think the weirder part is that Philip said yes. 
How many people, if God spanned the earth and said, I'm looking for a volunteer, how many of us would have said yes to that? He said, but that's crazy, God. And you can see, I think there are times God just goes, yes, it is. You were crazy before you were saved. Why are you not crazy now? You know, people are like, hey, there's a line of white stuff. Let's stick it up our nose. What is it? I don't know. I'll go first. Really? Hey, there's a cliff. Let's jump off it. How high? What's at the bottom? First one finds out. That's the way we're before? And now we're like, I don't know, sharing. I'm going to stick my toe in the pool. Really? When did that happen? Go talk to the Brinks guy. Okay. What's that, man? They're having a meeting over whether Gentiles could be saved. Kind of an important meeting for us, don't you think? James says, says, well, it seems that the Holy Spirit is telling us not to lay any other burden greater than what's already there. The things that are necessary. When you have a word of prophecy, you can say, thus says the Lord. Now, the Bible does say, and please hear me, test every prophecy. Anybody who says that they're a prophet but shouldn't be tested, you should immediately grab a stone. That's my attitude. Of course, I don't want you to do it in time, but you get it. I've heard the joke. Have you heard it said? You know why there's so many false prophets in the world? We stop stoning them. Anyways, they, they tend not to prophesy after that. And if they do, maybe they really are a prophet. Uh, to another, and this is one of my favorites, to another, the discerning of spirits. Oh, this is an abuse. Can I remind you, why would God give you the gift of prophecy? To get A to B. Does that make sense? Now understand, do you know what the one message God has more than any other in the entire text, in the entire Bible? It's one word. Repent. Do we need prophets today to tell the church to repent? Repent and go back to the Bible? Repent and stop playing silly little games? Repent and stop making it about things other than Jesus? Repent and get back to the gospel? Repent and stop playing games on things that the Bible makes clear, but somehow you're debating whether it's okay or not anymore? Repent and stop elevating human beings? Repent and stop being complacent and get up and off your butt and do something? I think we really need prophets in the church today. And that would be a thus says the Lord to every one of us. But to the discerning of spirits? Here's the funny thing. When we get taught this, if you don't get to Scripture, I'm a firm believer that the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. What happens is there are those, and this is one of my favorites, because I hear people say all kinds of really fun things. I knew this girl because I was a manager of a Christian bookstore chain for a while, and this girl would come in and she would look pictures of flowers and she'd go, oh, that's evil. Because I have the gift of discerning spirits. I'm like, that particular flower, the flower arrangement, the vase it's sitting in, which part of it's evil? There's an evil spirit in that picture. It's a picture of flowers. But it's evil. So then I have to walk through Scripture and I say, do we see anywhere, for instance, in the book of Acts where anyone exercises such a gift? Where they walk in a room and go, ooh, do you feel the spookiness in here? No, we don't. Hey, you're welcome to disagree and be a Christian, but just find enough for yourself. But let me tell you this. When David said, after falling with Bathsheba and seeking to be made right, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David was not possessed by an evil spirit. 
the attitude of his heart was wrong. And the attitude of his heart needed to be made right. And the scripture makes really clear that is the spirit of a man. Are you with me on that? Because it's the discerning of spirits, plural. Do I see anywhere in scripture where someone seems to look into someone else's soul, can intend, can see the intent of their heart? Hmm. Peter, he's in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. After Philip gets called out, Peter's there instead. And there's a guy there, his name is Simon. He was known as a sorcerer. He was known as a great power, but man, when he saw the real thing, he gave it up for what appeared to be the case. Peter gets there, he lays hands on people, and they receive the Holy Spirit. They are empowered with the Holy Spirit. And this guy looks and goes, whoa, is that cool. Loose paraphrase, but you get the idea. And he, he whips out his checkbook and he says, how much? And Peter goes, say what? And he goes, how much do I have to pay so I can get that? Listen to Peter's response. Your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part of portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of the Lord. Repent there from this wickedness and pray that perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Listen, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound with iniquity. Bitterness? Peter's laying hands on people and they're speaking in tongues or prophesying or something really cool. And the guy says, give me that spirit. And he looks and goes, well, you're bitter. What? How does that work? I'll tell you how that works. Peter got a, a, the ability to discern that person's spirit. Do you get it? He didn't walk in the room and go, I think there's a demon here. He walked in and he said, you got an issue and this is it. You got bitterness and it needs to be dealt with. You know what happens with a situation like that? It gets A to B. Do you get it? That's the point. God wants to get A to B, and that gets A to B. And then we get the fun ones. Speaking in tongues. What in the world? Are you following me so far? Have I bored you guys? Are you guys ready to nap out? Are you in the land of Nod? Because we're almost done here. But I'm having fun. If what you get out of all this is A to B, and we pray every morning, Lord, get me... Make me get this A to B first and then use this A to get other A's to B? Would that not be enough? And then God says, well, some of you I'm going to light a fire. Some of you I'm going to push. Some of you are going to pull. Some of you are going to get stuff out of the way. Some of you are going to present. But every one of you is going to get used to get A to B. A teacher, an evangelist, a person that's a prophet clear in the way. It's all getting A to B. Do you see it? Descending of spirits. Oh, God, teach me. Every time we go into counseling, I pray for this. Lord, get me to the heart of the issue. I don't want to stare at symptoms all day. Could you imagine if your doctor had that kind of wisdom? Wouldn't that be awesome? If, the do- if your doctor prayed, Lord, I don't want to treat symptoms. Show me the cause and show me how to fix it. I, I had a chiropractor. Do you guys know what a chiropractor is? That's a guy that some think are quacks and other people love to death. They kind of crack your back in certain ways and that kind of thing. And sometimes it's awesome if it's the right guy. Other people, they just make lots of noise and you don't know what's going on. And this guy loved the Lord. Oh, this guy loved the Lord. And it was nothing like, it wasn't like some bizarre Reiki festival or anything like that. This guy, or Reiki, this guy was like, you know, I'd lay down and he would just pray. He's like, Lord, show me where the problem is. 
hey, I had this problem, sincerely. I had this problem. You know, I don't know if you know. There was a moment where I was told I would never walk again. I was, I was playing baseball. My dad was a professional baseball player, so I kind of had this thing, the shoes to fill. And I stepped into a pitch, and I dug my back cleat so deep that everything from my knee up went when I turned. So I stepped into this thing, and after I hit it, everything from my knee up went, everything from my knee down stayed. So they kind of went like this, and then went smack, rolled up my hamstring like a shade into my hip, calcified the two bones together, and then I turned to step because that was really brilliant, and collapsed on the ground as you might imagine. The best part about the whole thing, I hit it to the center field wall. If you don't get the idea of rounders or cricket, and went as far bicycle as it could go and still stay in the park, I went to ran to the first base. They're carrying me to my car so I can drive to the emergency room, the A&E. And I kid you not, the guy all the way from out there runs over and touches me with the ball. Like, what, do you think they're carrying me to first base? What do you think they're doing here? The guy's like, how do you feel now, Mr. Proud? My knee is bigger than my hip. And they're like, well, I don't know, man. We're going to put a steel rod in it or something. Maybe you can dead leg it, but this stuff's going to atrophy, and you're going to be really concerned. We're concerned you'll never walk again. And I'm like, that can't be the case. I'm taking my wife to Prince Edward Island. She loves Anne of Green Gables. I've got a week and a half, and we're going. And the guy's like, oh, bless your heart. You're delusional. And my coach, man, just leans over, puts his hand on my legs. And this is faith. Any guy that just does that expecting something to happen, let's be honest, that's faith. Whether you get healed or not, that's faith. And he laid hands there, and you could watch this thing unroll and fasten. You watch that thing, it was like alien. It was like... I'm like, whoa, cool. All right, Lord, thank you, praise you. Yeah, thank you, praise you. The doctors are like, this is an anomaly. You know what that means? That's a way of saying, you did a miracle, but we won't claim it, because then we had to do your deal with your God. But every time I would, it, like, when it get rainy and stuff, I'd turn and my knee would pop out. It'd be like, oh. And I thought the Lord did that kind of like he did with Jacob. You know, where it was like, <laughs> just want to remind you from this point on, you got a, a shrunk hip so that you'll never forget when you wrestle with me, Mr. Proud. I'm like, I got it. But I went once to this guy, Watts is his name. And he prayed and he said, Lord, just show me. And I'd been into all kinds of people, and they'd done ultrasound, and they'd done all this stuff, but it would kept popping out and all that stuff. And he goes, Lord, just show me. And he put his hands there, and he's like, this is out of the way. Watch this. And he went, never had a problem since. I mean, these guys were all, like, whipping out all this expensive gear and all this stuff and gooey stuff. And I'm looking for a baby with the ultrasound, right, you know. This guy, like, he takes, like, this little thing. like a clicker. He's like, click, 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 click. Lord, please, just keep it in place now. And I'm like, amen. And I stood up and I went, what in the, what in the world? What in the? And I realized that guy, when it's like he's jumping and leaping and praising God, right, because he hadn't walked. I'm like, yeah, well, all right. You know? I'm like, all kinds of happy about it. But the thing was that I didn't walk out of there going, Watts is awesome. I said, God, you're awesome, and thank you for using him to bring me closer. But you know what was crazy? It was only a few weeks later that he would talk to me. And he goes, you know what? I was having a rough time with the Lord. And God used you to bring me closer. And I went, and made all of it worth it. So let's not argue with God. Because it's like, hey, so here's the crazy thing. God puts you in something and it's a rough time. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, the Lord doesn't send tough stuff. It says, I bring calamity and I bring healing. So don't tell me the Lord can't bring heaviness. Because the point is not to make you all cushy, fat, and lethargic. The point is to bring A to B. And if that's what it takes, then the Lord will do it. Because that's what's important to Him. 
But be thankful for that because God allowed that in other people's lives to get you to be. Does that make sense? He was like, oh, well, now that I'm here, well, let's not let me suffer at all. The Lord's like, just listen. Get my priorities, please. So when we start talking about tongues, hey, if, you, if you speak in tongues, you know, you're like, hey, this is awesome. But if it isn't bringing you close to the Lord, stop playing games. Because if you want to say, hey, let me just say, oh, sure, I should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda, a Honda burrito, a Honda burrito, a Honda burrito, and keep saying it until something falls out of your mouth that's like incoherent. Now, I'm not telling you that there isn't tongues anymore. I'm telling you God still uses it. But what's the purpose for it? To get A to B. Whether that's this A or another A, it's to get A to B. Does that make sense? Anything other than that is counterproductive. Are you following me? Okay, we're almost done. But I said that already, but I'm a pastor. And Paul would say finally in chapter 2 of Philippians, and there's four chapters. All right. My other favorite one in this list. To another, the interpretation of tongues. We happen to have a real gift here with having Greeks in our fellowship. So I'm going to put them to test. This is not a really tough one. Could you tell me what the word tongues means? You too. What's the word, first of all? Glossa. And what does the word mean? Tongues. How difficult was that? But did you see the plural? It doesn't say to another the interpretation of tongue. The first time we see, by the way, in the Old Testament, if somebody had the Holy Spirit upon them, what was the one thing you looked for more than anything else? Do you know? Prophecy. That was the thing. Bam. You watch people, it's like the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, they prophesied. You know, he prophesied. The Holy Spirit came upon the prophets, they prophesied. They're prophets, you would expect that, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit came upon the elders with Moses, they prophesied. That's what you looked for. And you know what prophecy is? According to Revelation, the testimony of Jesus. This is the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's face it, before Jesus came, everything was about getting A to B, and how was that saying? It says, B is coming, get ready. Does that make sense? So when Johnny B showed up, Johnny the Baptist, Johnny B, it was to get A to B. Does that make sense? But now that you've given your life to Christ, this is what I know about the first time God enters tongues into things the way we see it. It's quite simple. It tells us, by the way, how is it that we hear them? First of all, men were there from all over the known world, and it was their languages. That's the first thing. But by the way, one, when they say, how is it that we hear them speaking in these languages? One of those languages, they said, is those of Judea. Oh, don't miss that. Why? Because that's the language they already spoke. Someone was not speaking a different language than they started. You know why? Because people from Judea needed to hear it too. Imagine, if you will, the United Nations is meeting out on that lawn and happens to be walking by and the Holy Spirit comes upon us in such a way. Paul starts speaking fluent Lithuanian. You don't speak Lithuanian by naturally, do you? Uh, not anymore. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Ali speaks perfect British. Mm-hmm, that's that's kind of... Okay, it's somewhat of a miracle, you know, in that sense. You know. You get the idea. Jenny actually speaks like... Kiswahili. Deborah speaks Zulu. We call, right? But there's also a couple British people out there. There's a couple American people out there, all walking from the United Nations. And if we all spoke in every language none of us knew, they wouldn't get to hear the truth either. Does that make sense? 
So the purpose was not for us to be awesome. We were awesome at the cross. Jesus proved we were awesome by him dying for us. The purpose was to get A to B. You with me on that? So we ran out, started speaking these languages, and people went, what? I hear people speaking in my language. People from Rome, people from Turkey, people from the Middle East. Oh, this is really strange. I hear this, not just from Rome. And they hear this, and we say, we hear them speaking the wonderful works of God. Are you with me on that? Now, understand something. In classic Greek grammar, if you hinge a concept to the last, you put what's called a definite article, the. When it says here, to another, the interpretation of tongues, it does not say the interpretation of the tongues. Please hear the difference. Because I don't know anybody that prays for this other than me. We live in a place who would not love to have this gift. Where all of a sudden Deborah and Hugo are having a conversation and all of a sudden the Lord goes. And then you understand everything they're saying. Because you'd be able to interpret their tongues. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden you hear Brazilian and Portuguese. Portuguese, Portuguese and Brazilian Portuguese. You get to hear French and then Jenny's kind of French. You get to hear British and American. Greek, both old and new. Wouldn't that be an amazing gift? Wouldn't that be a great gift to pray for? But why would I want that gift? To get A to B. Any other reason is counterproductive. Does that make sense? But I'll be honest. There's a part of me that would love that gift so that I could just be awesome. But that would not be cool for the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So here's the Lord. And there are a million A's out there. Actually, there are nearly 14 million A's out there in our greater metropolitan area. It doesn't matter whether they're saved or not. Everybody needs to be more intimate with Jesus. And if you go, I'm perfect, not a worry. Okay, good. That means none of us are delusional here. Every one of us needs it. But here's the thing I've learned. If I just sit in his, his tool belt and say, I'm available, use me whatever way you want, I get used. Sometimes it's in prayer. Sometimes it's in faith. Sometimes it's in teaching. My prayer right now is the 50, whatever you are out there, A's that are sitting in this room are being brought closer to Jesus because of a gift of teaching. If it's a gift, it's nothing I've earned. The whole purpose is to bring A to B. Did you get it? And anything else, to elevate this, to build and establish so that Shoreline could be the church is just stupid. My heart is to see you fall in love with Jesus. But I've learned this. The easiest way to encourage that is to fall in love with him myself. I think it was Spurgeon that said, catch on fire for God and everyone will come close to watch you burn. But I've learned, man, my goal is to watch us all ignite. But if, what if that was the case? This week we just said, Lord... Get this A to B and then use this A to bring other A's to B. Would that not be awesome? And then the Lord says, Mario, I want to give you the gift of today. 
and you're like, awesome, I know what he's going to do with it. When Paul tried to go into Bithynia and Asia, which, by the way, today would be kind of the idea of Ephesus or Cushadasi and um, that of Istanbul, he was prevented by the Holy Spirit from doing so. We don't even read how so that no one can create a format for that. But then ultimately, he was woken up in the middle of the night by a man from Macedonia, a vision of a man from Macedonia, and it said, we conclude that God had called us to preach the gospel there. Please hear that. Paul was an evangelist, among other things. So the question was never what he was going to do, just when and where. He's like, that was the way that Paul got A to B, was he preached the gospel. Now can I just say, A does not get to B if A doesn't know B. A does not get to B without the gospel. I don't care what you do elsewise, A doesn't get to be without the gospel. And here's the simple truth. And now, this commercial message. Just kidding. All right. No worry. No one heard. Okay, listen. Since every one of you in here have openly confessed that you know Jesus, how exciting is that? That means that you know that Jesus died for you on the cross for your sins. He rose again on the third day wants to slaughter who you were and make you a brand new creation. And you said yes to that. Confessing Jesus not just as Savior, but as Lord. You volunteered to be his tool. For what? You are his tool for what, beloved? To get A to B, right? And that's my heart. I want my children to come A to B. I want my wife A to B. I want you A to B. I want this beautiful city A to B. And once we get to B, then we stay at B. And I say, wow, let's stay. Because the enemy goes, step out of B. And you're like, and someone's going to say, fool, what's wrong with you? Everything you're looking for is in B. It's in Jesus. Let's just call it what it is. Jesus. That's B. That's it right there. Just Jesus. Not church. Not the Pope, not religion. <clears throat> hey, he calls us to church. You know why? So we can practice getting A to B with people who are used to getting to B. We should be the easiest people to get to B because we should want to get there. That's one of the purposes of church is we do that on each other. Then we get out there for the harder cases. Oh, beloved. Encouragement to you and to me is that we say tonight in surrender, Oh God, use me now. Use me with these gifts. So he gives apostles. That's church planners. People who go out there and preach the gospel where no one else has gone before. And then he uses prophets to get those people out there and repenting and doing what God's called them to. And he uses pastor teachers. Look at the list so we can pray and close this up. And I don't even have to develop this, so you don't have to worry too much. It says it right here in verse 28. God has appointed these in the church. Notice, apostles, prophets, teachers, and then miracles, healings. Did you notice that? Because the message has to come first. Apostles, get the gospel to the lost, start building a church there. Prophets, get to the church and challenging them to repent. Teachers, equip the saints for the ministry. It's in essence, the teachers pull you forward, 
the prophets light the fire and kick you forward. Do you see the difference? They're on the backside. They're the whip. I get to be the carrot. Hallelujah. Miracles, gifts of healing, back up. For what purpose? So I say, why does God give apostles? Well, man, this is, come on now. Why does God give apostles? Why does God second prophets? Why does he make third teachers? Why does after that he brings miracles? How about gifts of healings? Helps. And by the word, antilepsis, it literally means relief. A person with the gift of helps is a person who seeks to relieve those who are burdened. And that is a spiritual gift. That is a position God puts you in. And then after that, administrations. Why? Right. And the word literally means pilotage is the word, by the way. Kubernetes. And then the variety of tongues. And by the way, notice it's a variety of tongues. And then he asks, is everybody an apostle? No. Because that's, some people come by the whip, but not everyone. Are all prophets? Hey, some come by rebuke, but not everyone does. Are all teachers? Some come by being instructed out of their ignorance, but not everyone does. Are all workers of miracles? No. But some will come by that working of miracles. Some won't. Do all have the gift of healings? Listen, listen, listen. Some will come getting healed. Some would never come getting healed. And like, why doesn't God heal me? Because God wants to get A to B. But I'm already His. But you prayed your family would come. And if God healing you would save them, He would do it. But if God carrying you through this would save them, what would be more important to you? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all workers of miracles? Do all speak in tongues, by the way? You can't say no, 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 yes, can you? Do all, let me ask you, these are questions now, though they're rhetorical, you can answer them. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So if someone says, you're not saved unless you speak in tongues, what do you say? How about 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 29, buddy. It's that simple. But you know what I'm doing? I'm teaching. And you know why I'm teaching? To get A to B. But earnestly desire the best gifts. And can I show you now a more excellent way? Do you know what that excellent way is? It's going to be one word. And what's that word? Love. Hey, this is what like, end of book. Wait till you get my sequel. Love. It was the same concept. He was on route to it, right? Beloved, because that's what motivates me. Hear this. If I'm not motivated by love, I'm not concerned as much about getting A to B. I'm concerned about winning the argument. I'm concerned about shutting you down. I'm concerned about looking awesome. But if I'm motivated by love, my whole desire, do you know what love looks like? Getting A to B. That's what love looks like. That's what love looks like. Getting A to B. Do you know what it looks like for me to love God? Getting A to B. Do you know what it looks like for me to love Paul? Getting A to B. Now, I can't get A to B, but I can be used to get A to B. Does that make sense? And what if Paul doesn't want to get there? Then I will irritate the hell out of him. Because he's got some in there that needs to leave. And so I want to pray for you and I want to pray for me. That we could be people from A to B. Let's pray. Lord, we prayed for simple. You gave us simple. You pray, we prayed for truth that was clear. You gave us clarity. Thank you, Lord. You know why you did it? I know why you did it. To get these A's to B. And that B is Jesus Christ. 
no other name given among men by which we must be saved. No other name on heaven on earth. No other name. No other name. Everything else is an obstacle. Including my name. Including our names. Including the church name. Including the Pope's name. Including any other name. Including the name of a program. Including the name of a template. Jesus, your name. Your name alone. We do confess, Jesus, you died on the cross for our sins. Therefore, our Savior. We do confess you paid the price for our sins. And therefore, you are our ransom. We confess you rose again from the grave. Therefore, our Lord. And as we surrender ourselves to you, Lord, that means you have the right to call the shots. And the most cool thing about it is that your whole purpose now, Jesus, just like the Holy Spirit, is to get A to B. So get these A's to B first. Get us to you, Jesus. And then in getting us to you, use us to get others to you. We'll trust you with the results, Lord, but we want to be used for that purpose. And every gift you give, every blessing you bestow, every talent you strengthen us with and fortify us with, may it be now for that purpose as we give ourselves to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.